Sometimes when we gather like this, there's a moment where the spirit begins to just move in the worship, through the worship. And there are so many invitations attached to that. I could keep you here all night just talking about that. But actually, what I've noticed over the last couple of months is that that kind of invitation, that repetitive invitation from God to a deeper place of worship and connectivity with him has been a consistent and abiding reality for us. And sometimes the greatest challenge is not to try and move into that, but actually to resist moving into that sometimes because we're often restrained by time frames or programs or all of those kinds of things. But I just want to just highlight that to you, that, that the Lord is wooing us, he's inviting us, he's encouraging us, and he's indeed calling us to a deeper place of worship, deeper place of praise and thankfulness and gratitude. And you know, everything God does is highly strategic. He doesn't do anything accidental. He doesn't do anything incidental. Actually, he, he, he has completely got a plan that he's working out and a program that he's working to. And, and so when I watch that, and I watch that over the years when I've been in churches for a while now, I've watched that actually that's the beginnings of something. It's, it's the embryonic beginnings of what could possibly be for us a real fresh move of the Holy Spirit. When God begins to stir our hearts to worship him and it's a greater priority for us to press past some of our discomfort and even our tiredness and even our jaded souls. Sometimes we connect with him in such a beautiful way and something incredible begins to happen in our lives. And every move of the spirit I've ever been in, it started with a fresh sense of God in the worship where God began to move in a fresh way. And I'm really grateful for that. And I hope you are too. You know, because there are churches up and down this nation that don't have that kind of connectivity with God. And we must never take these things for granted. When the Spirit of God moves on our worship, it's certainly not because we're the best singers on the planet. I mean, they may well be. I'm certainly not. It might not even be because they're the best musicians on the planet. It's just that he has designed and desired to just press in past some of the vehicles and the mechanics of worship to connect with his people. And when God comes searching for you, you better pay attention to that. And you better just yield your life and yield your heart to him and say, come get me, Lord Jesus. Come have all of me, God. Now, alongside of that, something else is happening. And that is this real passion for intercession and prayer. So we have praise and we have worship. And we have a real invitation from the Spirit to intercede and to pray. And once again, that's that cry of the heart of the Father for intimacy with his people that's drawing us to a deeper place where we're beginning to hear the prayers of Jesus, the great high priest who prays consistently day and night for us. We eavesdrop in prophetic realms and we begin to pray and to prophesy over our city and over our nation. And you know, those things may seem like they're also accidental or not intentional, but actually the reality is that's the Spirit of God wooing us again to a deeper place of spiritual connection with Jesus so that we can actually start to declare the wonders of God here on the earth. And you know, we move from praise into a place of proclamation. And when we're in a place of proclamation, we start to come into alignment with what it is that God wants to decree as a now reality for us in our current circumstances. And so we have enjoyed some great praise and worship, but it was so much more than that. It was the wooing of the Spirit trying to draw us to the deeper places of God's heart. And we've enjoyed over the last few months, and those of you who've come on a Wednesday, the most incredible sense of God in our intercessions and our prayers. It's almost like the prayer has a life of its own. 
And we're spending all our time catching up with the leadership of the Holy Spirit as God takes us into all kinds of things in the prayer realm, in the spiritual realm, that we begin to partner with him to see come to pass on earth. And I believe that we're seeing some of the fruit of that even in our gatherings on a Sunday. And you'll be seeing the fruit of that in the reality of your experience on a Monday because God isn't just not the God of the Sunday. He's the God of the Monday through to the Saturday and the Sunday also. And he is teaching us and he is conditioning us and he is acclimatizing us for what I believe will be the greatest outpouring on the planet where the Spirit of God moves and multitudes. I can't even begin to imagine the the, the millions of people that will come to faith in Jesus Christ. And you know, church, I don't know if you realize this, but that's one of the main reasons why I came to this church, because I believe with all my heart that this church is postured in the realms of the Spirit to see a move of God in the city of London. You know, we have never had revival in the city of London. I was chatting with, with Pastor R.T. Kendall this week. He told me that we've never had a real revival in the city of London. Well, how about God, please come and start one with us. Spirit of God, come amongst us to such a point where we start to catch your heart and your compassion for the lost and the broken and the needy. And we start to move, Lord God, out of a sense of safety into the risky area of being led by your Holy Spirit. And Father, let the adventure begin. I believe, church, that what we're seeing in embryonic form is an invitation or multiple sets of invitations from the Spirit to posture our lives in preparation for what God wants to do. And you know, it starts in a very small way, and sometimes people don't always pay attention to that. You know, it it isn't just that we've hit on a good song, (laughs) or even that there's a phrase that somehow seems to stick out for us. Actually, what's happening is that God is just taking our hearts and our lives on a little adventure with Him, where He begins to teach us how to Allow him to restore our souls. And you know, one of the greatest enemies to a real outpouring of the Holy Spirit is tiredness. You know, often people resist the move of the Holy Spirit, not because they don't want revival, but they're actually exhausted. And so wasn't it interesting that the Lord would come and he would bring refreshing and he'd bring renewal and he'd bring restoration. And how many of us need that? Come on, talk to me, church. How many of us need that? We need, we need the freshness of the Spirit's presence in our lives. We need to know that the reality of God here, not somewhere in the past. And I thank God for all he's done in the past, but God, do it again today. God, do it now. Do it here. Why not now? Why not here? Why not us, Father? We're not the, you know, the, probably the, the ultimate dream team for you, God, but we're the team you have available tonight. Father, when we say, come, Lord Jesus, and have your way amongst us. So the cry of my heart is that in these days that lie ahead, we would move towards being a ready people for all that God wants to do. And there are things that perhaps need to be deconstructed from our lives so that God can reconstruct us in a manner and in a way that actually makes us the kind of people that can sustain a kingdom invasion that changes a city and indeed could possibly change a nation. And, and I believe that what I'm about to share with you tonight is about that conditioning. It's about being made ready for all that God wants to do. And I feel a burning in my heart. I must confess to you, as I say this to you, I feel I'm being a little bit bolder than I would choose normally to be. Or maybe some might think slightly presumptuous, but you know, it's otherwise known in the Bible as faith. <laughs> And so if I'm being a little presumptuous, forgive me, I'm not intended to be. I just have this confidence. I have this assurance that I, that I have been brought here for such a time as this to see the kingdom of God come and God's people to rise up in their fullness. 
and for this city and this nation to fully come into alignment with who God is and God's kingdom and his plan, his purpose for our humanity. So I hope that's okay with you. And even if it's not okay with you, is it okay with you in the balcony? Some are a little unsure. (laughs) Well, I, I think it's okay with him that I would have that kind of intentionality. So I've been praying and praying and seeking God. And I believe that part of this journey for me is maybe to let go of some of the complexities that sometimes grip and take hold of my life and actually become quite simple and, and clutter free so that I'm ready to move as the Spirit chooses to move me. So if you have a Bible with you, we're going to talk a little bit tonight about what I would call the power of testimony. In Deuteronomy, we're going to look in Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you have a Bible, I would really encourage you to read it with me. If you have the Bible on your phone or an iPad, read it along with me too. So you know that I'm not making anything up. But actually, just for those of you who are (laughs) under 30, the Bible is now available in print. I just want to make you aware of that. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 17. This is the Lord speaking to Moses and declaring his precepts and his commandments to him. And he says, you should diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God. Will anybody say amen to that? It's good for us to keep the commandments of the Lord our God. It's good for us to align ourselves with the truth and the revelation of who God is and how we are his people and indeed start to offer our lives to his purposes. And I think one of the biggest difficulties that the church faces now is that we have a mental agreement with God and our bodies haven't played catch up. You know, there are lots of people who say, I believe in Jesus and I believe that he's good and I believe that he tells us the truth. But actually, some of us, if we're really honest, we just have mental agreements or mental assents to that reality. But for the kingdom to come in all its fullness, we need to come into alignment with that truth. Not a gospel of words, but a gospel of power and demonstration. We need to make the word incarnate in our lives. In other words, we embody that word in the way we think, in the way we act, in the way we operate in the world around us. And I think what the world is waiting for is for the people of God to come into partnership with that truth. And so it's not enough anymore to have principles and truths and, 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 and you know, commandments, those commandments are invitations for us to align ourselves with the nature of God and the, the, the clarity that we have as a result of what Jesus Christ has done for us and actually live moment by moment deciding and indeed orchestrating our lives around his truth. You know, I've, I've been in meetings after meetings over the last few years. I used to travel a little bit before I came here. And, and nobody would ever say that the word of God wasn't sharper than a two-edged sword. But actually, when I looked out across the people, so often I would see that people believed that, but they didn't live that. And we have somehow allowed ourselves the luxury of thinking that if we have a belief system, we have a reality. Do you know, what you think in your mind is just the beginning. What you believe to be true should turn up in your life. It should turn up in the way you think. It should turn up in the way you talk. It should turn up in the way that you live. It's not enough just to have, you know, theological agreements with God. We need to have, we need to have evidences of that theology in the way that we live our lives. And so truth without works, truth without demonstration is just a folly. It's just dead. It doesn't produce anything in our lives. And so we need to start to come back into alignment with the commands of the Lord. And I encourage you to look over those commandments because they are indeed life to your soul. What God is saying, each one of them to us is simply this. You will never need to find an alternative route. I am your supply. 
You will never need to try and manipulate your way through life. I am your provider. You will never need to steal another man's wife or husband because I will find you someone that will satisfy you all the days of your life. Someone say hallelujah and amen to that. Don't worry about your neighbor's Porsche. I've got something better for me, for you. It may be a bicycle, but it'll suit you well. It'll keep you fit until I return. But look with me again at this scripture and maybe we could discuss this slightly because it's not just his commandments that we're encouraged to keep. It's not just his commandments that we're invited to partner with until they become a reality in the way we live our lives. It says this, you should diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he commanded you to do. What does it mean therefore for us to keep the testimonies of the Lord. Now the word here, keep, is interesting. It simply means this, to watch or to preserve. It is translated in a number of ways, but it includes the vocabulary of observe, of watchmen, or protect. In other words, value the testimonies of the Lord as much as you value the commandments of the Lord. If we are to value the testimonies of the Lord, we need to understand what that means and we need to start to partner with that until those things become very clear to us. It says here that we should be diligent in valuing not just the commandments, which yes, we must absolutely do that. Obedience is is definitely underrated in the church and I think it's having a comeback. Someone say amen to that. But if we're going to be obedient, let's be obedient to the whole counsel of God because we are to be obedient to his commandments, but we're also to be obedient to his testimonies. The instructions here from Deuteronomy are not just something that's you know, left in the Old Testament for us to ponder or to consider. Actually, they're, in, they're invitations from God to work with his kingdom and to align our lives with his purposes until those purposes become a reality. So what are the commandments? Well, the commandments show us how to live. And many of us in this room, we need to be constantly reminded how to live. Because there is a way that seems right unto a man, but actually that road leads to destruction. You know, you, you cannot live outside of partnership with the truth of God's word and expect to be blessed. Do you hear me, church? You cannot do your own thing and expect God to bless it. God has orchestrated and organized our lives to such a way that when we come into agreement with his commandments, the blessing of Jesus begins to flow into our hearts and into our lives. And you know, you can pray and you can intercede and you can beg, borrow and even believe that you will get blessing. But if you're not in partnership with his commandments, you're not positioned to receive that blessing. And we can go from church to church looking for it in all kinds of ways. But actually, it comes whenever you start to align your life with the truth of who God says he is. The commandments show us how to live. And the statutes, that's the ways of God, they show us how to think. Now how many of us need an upgraded mindset? Paul the Apostle hits on this thought in the, in the book of Romans. He says, be you transformed. In other words, the working out of God comes from coming into agreement with his word, but also developing the kind of mindset that is based on your new reality, not your past circumstance. And many Christians I talk to are living out of their old self with a hope and a belief that God is going to do something in their new self. Do you know that your old man has died? You are a new creature in Christ. The old has gone. 
You have a new man mindset that you need to start to work with. Your old man mindset led you to death, but your new man mindset can lead you to life. We need the statutes of God. We need to know his mind. We need to understand the way he thinks and the way he sees things. And we need to start to be educated by the Spirit and the Word about the truth and the reality of this new life that we have in Jesus Christ. If the old has gone, why do you keep talking about it? If it's over, why do you drag it into your today? If the sun has set you free, why do you tie yourself to mindsets and truths that are no longer true about you? For you are a new creature in Christ. The old has gone and God has given you a new start and a new life and a new passion and a new way to live your life. And now I'm preaching and I'm getting a little energized by this. But actually you can never experience your new life in Jesus when your old mindset is the thing that directs your steps. So his commandments show us how to live. His statutes show us how to think. And his testimonies show us what to expect. So what is a testimony? Well, a testimony is something or some situation in life where God intervenes and acts on our behalf. And in turn, that testimony becomes a reality to us. But also important for us to remember, it's revealing an aspect of his nature and his character that we definitely need to know about. Each story contains a wonderful revelation of God, a revelation of his heart, a revelation of his desire, a revelation of his passion, a revelation of how he is engaging with you on a personal level, a revelation that indeed is is of benefit to those around you in your life. Without the revelation that comes to us through testimony, through God intervening in our lives, we forget that he is a supernatural God. We forget that he is power and authority over all things. And we end up operating at a very human level, trying to discipline ourselves and fight our battles without the resources available to us. The testimony of your life is God showing up in your humanity and revealing his glory and rewriting the story of who you are and all that you're becoming. And it has a power in it that actually can affect other people's lives for good. Now, I've asked a couple of people today if they'd come and share a testimony, something currently that God has been doing in their lives. I don't know where those ladies are, but if you could quickly make your way up here, then I wouldn't look like a fool. That would be great. Thank you very much. Or is it too late for that? It's too late for that. Where are those ladies? Come on up, please. And the other lady I spoke to, Where is that lovely Irish lady? Do you know that all Irish ladies are lovely? Did you know that? All Irish ladies are lovely. Come on up here. Please don't walk slowly because they're going to sack me. Now remind me of your name, please. Mary. 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 Oh, sorry. It's your Yorkshire, your Manchester accent. Do you understand Mancunian here? Would you like me to translate for you? That'd be okay, because it's a form of English, but it denies the power thereof. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I love, I love Manchester and its nervous. people. You're nervous. Yeah. Oh, don't be nervous. They're only people. They're only people. So tell us a little bit about what's been happening in your life. Uh, oh, my goodness. I, well, I've been a Christian a year and a half. Um, I, I that. Yeah. And um, do, do you want me to start from when you gave that 
Yeah, yeah. So I, ke- I come to the Wednesday intercession thing and, uh, oh, I'm in a cell as well. And can I just say previously before the intercession thing that happened yeah. is we talked about in the cell about uh, tithing. Yeah. And because I've only been a Christian a year and a half, it didn't make any sense to me. But my cell leader, Lisa, said to trust and do it. So I did it. For three months, I was in negative. And then it sorted itself out and then bills started to get paid and everything and everything was fine. And then about two months ago, sorry, I came here and you asked um, people to stand up who had uh, financial difficulties. Um, I find that I never talk about my finances. I find it quite shaming. My husband left me with two small children years ago, left me in a lot of debt. Um, You asked us to stand up. You said that things were going to change and restore and because I'm a new Christian, I thought that's very nice, but I don't know if I believe it. Sorry, <laughs> but um, that's okay, Mary. Because there's people who've been Christian a long time; they don't believe it either. So that's okay. Come, come, come on over here. Come on, a bit nearer so people can see you on the camera. Oh no. Oh, oh okay. Um, and um, so anyway, I went away. But then after that, quite quickly, like loads of funny things happened. About like money started to come. Um, uh, tax people said that um, I, I was owing money but like big money and the thing about me being on my own with my children is I was uh, completely battered financially so I had debts um, couldn't pay for things we were in quite uh, poverty bailiffs and everything I've never said this before because it's very shaming to me anyway all this happened I went into work who know me because I, I was um, new age I wasn't um, Christian uh, to tell them about the money and everybody's like oh yeah you know didn't really believe it and when I was praying I said you know I wrote to you told you told my cell and everything and I thought it'd be great but god wouldn't it be really good if I could um if all that debt could get paid and then Wednesday I went home and I got a letter to say that the debt that I was trying to pay off which I told my sons I'll never get paid I'll just die with it actually a letter came to say that they'd charge me too much interest and it was going to be paid off. But this is like, the weird thing is, it's £10,000. And I was like, oh my goodness. So I've had to go into work. I told everybody, it was such a strange thing, like testifying to everybody. They think I'm mad because I'm saying all glory and honour be to God. And uh, yeah, they think it's really strange, but I am really, really grateful. And yeah, I don't know what else to say. (laughs) Isn't that a wonderful story? Hang on a second, hang on a second. Don't go anywhere. So it just might be that, that God is alive and well and, and moving amongst his people and, and that he cares about the parts of our lives that sometimes we want to keep hidden, but actually because he wants us to be free and he wants us to see how good he is and he wants us to see how generous he can be, he actually turns up in very practical ways. And, and um, you know, I asked Mary, 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 Mary to share this testimony because Actually, on the night whenever I prophesied this, and I didn't really prophesy, I just felt in the spirit that God wanted to just bless some people with breakthrough financially. You know, I can't say that I stood here with a huge amount of conviction around that. I just felt that as we were being led by the spirit, there was a moment available for people where breakthrough could happen. And and Marie just took it. She just said, I'll have me a piece of that heavenly action. Thank you very much. I've walked this earth and I've tried to make it happen, but God, I just need you to intervene. 
and, and what he did is just remarkable. And if, if we understood the power of this, you'd be standing on your feet asking her to pray for you. Because what he's done for her is now available for you by faith in Jesus Christ. Now, what God can do for Marie, he can do for you because he's no respecter of people. You know, he, he doesn't have those protocols that we have around certain things. And he loves to bless now, if you're greedy and you want £10,000, don't expect too much. But, but if you really need a breakthrough financially, if you really need God to come through for you financially, why don't you stand to your feet for me, please? Just stand up to your, on your feet for me, please. So we have this revelation. And what we're doing is scriptural. We've been asked to keep the testimonies of Jesus Christ alive. Because those testimonies have power to affect other people's lives for good. And, and when we share the testimony, what we're doing is we're prophesying that in this moment, God might do it again. That God might just touch you again. He might just break through into your life again. Now, either you are all terrible with your money because there's so many of you standing up. Or you're all just excited that God might give you 10,000 pounds. It was to pay off debt. It was to pay off debt. She's just helped me. It was to pay off debt. Okay, but... Marie, would you mind praying for these people? Um, Do you mind? I'm not really sure about that. Don't worry about it. It's not going to be fancy or anything. Just ask God to bless them like he blessed you. All right. Um, Abba Father, um, Alpha and Omega, please put your blessing on these people. Cover them with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Help them to receive the blessing that I did. All honor and glory be to God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Amen, thank you. Thank you. Now give, give Mary a bit of encouragement, will you please? Now, can I just add something to that particular subject matter? When it comes to money, sometimes we want a quick fix, but actually sometimes God turns up and he does do that. But actually, more often than not, he gives you the capacity to get yourself out of the debt you got yourself into. So, so don't limit it to just this like miraculous provision, like you're walking towards the tube and 10,000 pounds falls out of the sky. Because <laughs> you might get a little disappointed if it doesn't happen that way. But actually, as, as Marie shares her story, we are able to access the blessing that she's experienced. And that's why testimonies are really important. They need to be kept alive. In fact, if you look across your life, one of the things that causes us to lose sight of the power of God is when we have stopped rehearsing in our minds and reminding ourselves on a consistent basis of how God has power and authority over all things. And testimonies are a central part to creating an environment where the Spirit of God can move in power. I began to stumble into this. Are you okay for a minute or two if I talk about this? Is that okay, church? I don't want to keep you too long tonight. But I stumbled into this when we started to see in the church I was pastoring in Glasgow a real powerful move of the miraculous amongst us. And the backstory to that is that, that I had gone through this process where just about every facet of my family was affected by sickness, particularly cancer. And I began to pray and I began to ask the Lord, Lord, what do we do? We'd seen lives restored, you know, people's emotional well-being, people who'd been ravished by abuse. You know, God had restored all kinds of lives in that way, but we hadn't seen anybody physically get a breakthrough as far as the miraculous and healing was concerned. And anyway, to cut a long story short, and I give you, you know, permission to ask me questions afterwards, God began to move in power, and he began to move in a specific way. The first miracle that we saw was a man who had been deaf in his left ear for 40 years, and he got healed. 
And I'd kind of made this pact with God. I don't know if you should do this or not. Please, I don't recommend this to you. But I'd kind of said to him, God, if you start to move in, in, in this miraculous way, we will go to nightly meetings. And for about eight months, every single night of the week, we just had nightly meetings. And people came from all parts of Scotland and even beyond Scotland to come and, and just to connect with what God was doing. And in church, we had so many miracles You know, we had people get out of wheelchairs. We had people who had cataracts get healed. We had a lady who hadn't walked in 13 years suddenly rise to her feet and began to move around the room. You know, God just did some incredible things. And and what we would do, and this is something of a lesson to me, is we would bring those people up onto the platform and we'd ask them to share their stories. And, And in typical British fashion, this is how they started. If they had pain in their back at all before we had prayed for them and it had improved greatly, they would start with saying, I still have a niggling painting my back. Now I started to listen a little bit more intensely and intentionally to that kind of testimony. What they were doing is they were testifying to what God hadn't finished in their lives or what God hadn't completed. And so I started to understand that actually there was a power in the testimony. So here's what would happen when people would start that, that testimony by saying, oh, I still have a little pain in my back. Nothing would happen. Because what we had done is we had began to partner with what wasn't happening. We weren't thinking clearly enough about what was happening. So God gave me this little phrase. He said to ask this question. If you went to the doctors and the doctor gave you some kind of pill and you were like say 80% better, would you go around talking about the 20% that hadn't been completed or would you tell all of your friends what a wonderful doctor this was that had given you this incredible medicine and now your life had been nearly restored to its fullest capacity? And of course, when you ask a question like that, most people would say, yes, we would say it's great that this medicine is working. Well, you know, you're standing before me tonight and you're 95% better than you were when you came in. And the only thing you can talk about is the 5% that hasn't been completed. What is God doing? What is God doing? And when we started to tease out those stories, they were wonderful stories, but they had an impact on our gatherings. Because the minute somebody would start to share about arthritic pain, you know, that had been, you know, off the scale and now they were 98% better, we would just lay hands and say, God, you are not just the alpha, the omega also, come and finish what you started. And of course, they would get gloriously fully healed. Isn't that amazing? That's worthy of a round of applause for the Lord. That's amazing. So our natural orientation is to think about what God isn't doing. I'll stay on this thought for a moment because I want to talk to you about the power of testimony. And to do that, I need to help us steer away from some negativity that's become attached to the church in the 21st century. Before I came here, I was a regional leader and I looked after a hundred and something churches and often would be the case when I would go to those churches, we'd plan it well in advance. What would happen is we'd turn up and the pastor would greet me with all kinds of declarations of disappointment. (laughs) Here's the first one. There won't be many here today. There's a football match on. 
or I don't know what's happened to our church over the last few months. We've got so disillusioned with things. You know, there's, there's spiritual forces of darkness in our town or in our village. And we really feel that, you know, the enemy has taken his, his toil on us. And, you know, I would start and I would say, please don't keep talking to me. Because I would turn up with all kinds of faith that God would do something. But actually they had all kinds of negativity that he couldn't possibly do something. And, and here's the reason why. Because somehow they had partnered with what the devil was doing and they hadn't realized that that actually created deficits in their gathering and in their purpose. They need to partner with what God is doing. They need to remind themselves of what God is doing. And we need to be diligent with this. We need to keep the testimonies alive. So just like Glasgow and just like those churches, most of the time our thinking is about what isn't. But actually, for the benefit of a culture that I believe God is going to form here and beyond here, we need to start paying attention to what God is doing. And we need to remind ourselves of what he has done. So let me just do a little snapshot on that with you. Is there anybody here who happens to be saved? I'm just checking because I'm never quite sure. I'm just checking. So you already are the benefactor of the miracle saving power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Someone say amen to that. Now when you tell your story of what God has done for you, you make that power available to those that you are communicating with. And here's what happens. We get saved and then we get disillusioned. Hello? And before we know it, we are talking about what's lacking in our lives, not about what God has done for us. Do you know that you already have been, you are the evidence of a God who intervenes in humanity's story. You are a walking revelation of a God who has power to change all things in a human soul. You are, you are a visible resurrection story of a new life that Christ has afforded to you. And actually, it's the best kept secret in most Christians' lives. We tell it on a Sunday or to occasional people. But actually, your story is the power of God unto salvation. As indeed, as you share that with other people, they can engage with the God who saved you. And you know why I think that's important? Because if he saved you, he probably really wants to save them. Faith comes by hearing. When people hear what God has done in your life, it has the power to help them experience God for themselves. And it may not happen in all the same ways it did for you, but it becomes available to them as a result of you sharing your testimony. And the truth is also that about miracles. When we talk about the miracles that God has done, whether it's a breakthrough financially or a relationship that that has been restored. How many of us have had relationships restored? The Spirit of God, come on, talk to me, church. You've had relationships restored? Yeah? Well, actually, that's an invitation to partner with God so that you can be used by Him to see other relationships restored. You are a walk in evidence that God is amongst His people restoring relationships. You might even be the catalyst He's been waiting for to make sure that all relationships in your orbit actually get restored. As a pastor of a church for many years, we would have a team meeting after the weekends and we would do what most pastors do. We'd critique the services and uh, we'd talk about who was and wasn't there. In fact, more often than not, we talked about who wasn't there. (laughs) 
And you know, I would spend half of Sunday night on Facebook checking out the deceit and the lies of people who said that they were otherwise engaged on a Sunday. And so by the time I got to my team meeting on a Monday morning, you can imagine my frame of mind. So our team would gather and they'd sit there frightened in the headlights of my disappointments. And we would just talk about follow-up and Christian duty and responsibility and how discipleship isn't what discipleship was. And we'd be thoroughly depressed and set out into our week to win the world for Jesus. And the Spirit of God began to minister to me. And this is what he said. When you gather, I want you to cultivate a culture of possibility. I do not want you to camp around the problems and the difficulties. You are giving too much time and too much focus to that which isn't. And you are not celebrating that which is. And so we decided to pilot this. And instead of looking at hundreds of ways to follow up those who didn't want it following up at all, <laughs> we decided to share stories about what God was doing. And so I went around the room, it was about eight to ten of us, and I'd say, tell me what the Lord is doing in your life. And they'd go, um, I'm not sure really. In 1975, he touched me. <laughs> well, that's a good start. At least you were touched. <laughs> I was trying to be enthusiastic. What was that touching like? Well, I can't remember really. It's been so long. How many years ago was it? 35, okay. <laughs> that's a long time to hold on to a story that you never told. But we'll go with what we've got. And then I go to the next one and say, what has the Lord been saying to you? Now, if it was difficult enough for people to celebrate what God has done for them, it was even harder for people to come into any kind of clarity about what the Lord was saying to them. And yet, you know, we'd stand in our platform on a Sunday and lead meetings and say prophetic things over other people. And for the team, it seemed like it was ages away since God had actually spoken to their lives. And so one of them would say, well, I think the Lord is telling me that I need to spend more time in the Bible. That's such a cop-out. Can I just say that? Because of course the Lord is telling you to spend more time. That's a consistent abiding invitation by God to understand who he is. And, you know, if I'm asking you what God is saying to you prophetically, that's probably not what I'm asking for. What, what revelation of his heart and his nature and the truth and reality of who he is to you, is he consistently and permanently working on in your life today? And, and so, you know, we took time to do this. We, we started to gather then on a Tuesday and a Monday with some kind of excitement about being together. Because up until that point, we were avoiding it like the plague. Because, you know, who wants to be in a meeting when you come out of it and you feel the devil's winning this fight? <laughs> he's not winning, really. I know he's not winning. But you know, the, the truth is, we were so focused on what wasn't, we hadn't stopped to think about the value of paying attention to what was. And right in the middle of that season of our lives, I had this incredible dream where the Lord showed me I was standing at the foot of the highest wall I'd ever seen in my life. I couldn't see the top of it and I couldn't see to the left and I couldn't see to the right. And I had this kind of impression that behind it was some powerful force, but I didn't know what it was. And straight away it became apparent to me 
what it was because out of the corner of my eye, at the, at the distance of my spiritual peripheral vision in this dream, actually I could see a trickle of water. And my natural instinct was to go and try and stop it. That was my natural instinct. And I felt the chastening of God in this dream not to stop the trickle of, his, of this water because God said to me, be faithful in the small things. When you see the Spirit of God moving, in, even in the smallest way, celebrate it. Be thankful about it. Share the story. Enjoy the testimony. Because the reality is, however expansive the wall was, God was moving. Now, it wasn't a huge revival. It wasn't a tsunami of blessing. But, you know, we went through this whole season as a community where we, we treasure hunted everything that God was doing in each other's lives. And I, I just want to just say this to you. Do you know our gatherings together became so powerful because we were, we were stewarding and caring for and paying attention to and celebrating what God actually was doing with us. And guess what happens? When you're faithful in the small things, he gives you more. As I've studied the word testimony in the Old Testament, I came to this place in my thinking where I realized what it's saying is simply this. Do it again, Lord. God does what he does in our lives. And when we align ourselves with that and we celebrate that and we remind ourselves of that and we encourage ourselves with that, we are positioning ourselves for all that God wants to bring through the increase of what he has started in you seemingly in a very small and often undramatic way. The Bible says that we are given to this reality that there is a kingdom that has come amongst us that is so unusual and so alternative to the one that we have been acclimatized by that if we don't intentionally pay attention to that which God is doing, we will miss it. If we don't become simple and humble and uncomplicated about our interactions with this kingdom, and we abide out of sophistication and, and maybe a little bit of, of, of self-importance, we will miss what God is doing. We will miss the testimony of Jesus, which is the spirit of prophecy that's saying God has done this in the past and right now as you witness something fresh from the spirit, he's about to do it again. Do we have anybody who wants to buy into that reality? When the church doesn't take care of the testimonies, when it doesn't celebrate what God is doing, what happens over time is they become folklore. They become some kind of distant reminiscence of all that used to be. But he is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. And what he did yesterday he wants to do today. If God is the God of miracles and we look back at all the great revivals where God moved in power in physical ways on people's bodies, he's the same God today as he was yesterday. And the testimony keeps us connected to that reality. It keeps the reality of the power of God right here at the forefront of our thinking. 
If we lose sight of the testimony, we become wearied in the battle. Now listen to me, church. I'm prophesying to somebody here. Because we forget the benefits. We forget the powers of God. We forget the impact that those things had on our lives. We become the kind of people who are fighting out of human energy and effort. You need to remind yourselves of the miraculous powers of God if you're ever going to take down the strongholds of the enemy who's in opposition against you. Because it's not by might or by power, but by the Spirit. And it's a quickening Spirit that engages us with the reality of our powerful God. We are not people detached from the power of God, but we can easily become detached from the story of God in the testimony of of our lives where God has done miraculous and glorious things. And it's time for the church to tell the story of what God is doing. It's time for the church not to be preoccupied with what the enemy's doing in our city or even what the enemy's doing in our family or even what the enemy's doing in our nation. It's time for the church to rise up and to, to align themselves to the story of what God is doing. And you know, I don't know if you realize this, but there are more people coming to faith than there ever have been on the planet before. There are more signs and wonders than there ever have been on the planet before. God is, you know, the church in China is growing at a phenomenal rate. The church in India is growing at a phenomenal rate. The church in Africa has already grown at a phenomenal rate and there's more to come. And you know, Europe is next. <laughs> Europe is next. So the testimony keeps us connected to the reality of God and his intervening power and authority over all things pertaining to our lives. And so to develop that kind of culture energizes our hearts and it positions our minds and our souls to engage with what I call a watchman ministry, which isn't watching what the devil's doing, but is watching what God is up to in our midst. And so today you've heard one testimony, and there's probably hundreds in this room, of a moment where God broke through. What about this? What about that being the beginning as we celebrate all that God has done for Mary and we believe that God can do it again because that's what the word testimony means, that actually the church might rise in some kind of glorious release and indeed disposition to bring freedom to those who have been caught up in debt and disrepair as a result of the brokenness of their lives. You see, what God has done in Mary, he wants to release through Mary. And as he releases it through Mary, it's not just that the church gets debt-free, but how about communities becoming debt-free? How about families becoming debt-free? Do you know, we engage with people who are fourth and fifth generation of people who've been caught up in poverty from, from, from many, many generations. Come on, church. The testimony is the gateway into that becoming a different reality. God rewriting the story of the lineage of a family. And you know, I believe tonight, tonight is the beginning of us starting to celebrate all that God is doing and preparing us for all that lies ahead.